the SG Tour podcast. Hi, I'm Diane Knox. Thank you very much for being here. Following the US Open this week on the PGA Tour, it's the Corrales Punta Cana Championship in the Dominican Republic. And well, today we have so much. The podcast might be a little bit different. Um, if you're a subscriber and a regular listener, then um, you'll probably have heard that we're doing this show on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday. What we're doing on the show is we're looking at the, the course, the skill set required to do well on the course, and then relating that to the stats of the field. Now, um, we started doing this a while ago and we've had quite a lot of success. We're helping you with your picks, right? So giving you the guys that we think have, first of all, great value and the ones that we think are going to do well on that particular course. If you've watched the show before, then um, you know what we do. But if you haven't, then we're going to break it down in this podcast as well. We re-rank the field. So we give you sizzlers, i.e. the guys that are moving up to the top that we think have good value. The fizzlers, maybe the ones to avoid <laughs> that are falling down slightly. And then some dark horse picks as well. So the interesting thing about this week is the field is completely different from the field we saw at Winged Foot last week. And just with the, well, the start of the new season and the rescheduled majors, things are looking a little bit different right now. But it's fun. It's fun to give you some surprise names this week. So if you want to watch the show, it's on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday at 2pm and you can check it out at sportsgrid.com on Apple TV, Roku, Sling, Amazon Fire TV, Stir, Plex TV and Zumo. So you can uh, find all of those on your streaming platforms, on your TV. The show's actually repeated at 3 p.m., 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, you can watch on this podcast. Myself and Steve Elkington will talk about Bryson's incredible victory at the US Open, what he did to play so well around a very challenging winged foot. And, of course, talk about the field this week on the PGA Tour in Punta Cana to help you with your your picks. Elk, it's a little bit of a come down after the action of the US Open at Winged Foot last week. Well, Diane, uh, last week, Winged Foot, I think was the star show last week. Bryson DeJambeau, we talked about it on this very show last week of his chances. Uh, we thought they were very good. Of course, we knew that he was going to drive the ball as he did. We knew that he was not going to be a 60% guy. We knew he was about a 30 or 40 but he was so far down there and he positioned himself so well off the tee. People will say, well, what are you talking about? He was just in the rough. And I'm like, no, but he was a number three in total scrambling and putting last week. I mean, Rory McIlroy was longer than uh, Bryson off the tee last week. And, but Bryson played the percentages he knew doing. The interesting thing about him, Diane, is he's kind of got all the shots right now. It's not just length, it's eight and finesse. The, there was two things that really impressed me about Bryson. The first one was he'd obviously come up with a set game plan and he stuck to the game plan. Everyone knew that winged foot was going to be challenging, that the rough was going to be terrible, but he had this game plan and no matter what happened, he stuck to it. And then secondly, on Saturday night, when you saw him under the floodlights on the driving range, him and his caddy, like the only two people at the golf course, and he was on the range working hard before the final round. Like it, it, he's got that work ethic that is unmatched on the tour. 
I wish I had half of his energy, Diane, mm -hmm. honestly. And as I watched Bryson play the Sunday round very closely playing with another superstar, uh, young Matthew Wolf, you realize after about four or five holes that it was Bryson who was the one that was playing very strategic. Mm -hmm. Not only was he going for it off the tee, but he kind of knows where he's going for it. And as we started to move our way around the golf course, it was evident, and, and it turned out that way, he shot the only under par round on Sunday at the US Open, two under, and he teed off last in the most wind and the most pressure. So how much poise does that take? Well, I've been in that position a little bit. It takes almost more than I could even tell you how much poise that takes. But you're right. Bryson had a set plan. He stuck to it. And wow, he has really got everybody talking today. I know. I think, um, as I said, Bryson, like the hardest working guy on tour, second hardest working has to be his caddy. <laughs> I mean, that guy does not have an easy job. No, caddies don't have an easy job, but Bryson's caddy in particular, surely he has to take a lot of credit for every, not everything that he has to put up with, but it can't be easy. <laughs> I'm looking at my phone because I remember uh, my text message with uh, fellow Cobra player, um, Jason Duffner says, the caddy and Bryson have to take a consideration over before they hit any shot, dew point, hectic pressure, altitude, up and down a hill, wind, turf interaction, shot shape, and firmness of landing zone. So that's quite a bit, Diane, but they do it. Uh, we know that Bryson takes a long time to get organized. Yeah. But it seems like once he finally gets over the ball, I, it was noted yesterday, I think Paul Azinger said it, he sort of switches gears and just hits a shot. And uh, no, it was a great performance by him. I, I saw Jack Nicholas was, uh, you know, texting with him this morning, talk, or, uh, you know, congratulating him. Bryson now, I think, is only one of the guys that won the NCAA championship, the U.S. Amateur, and the U.S. Open. Um, it's pretty amazing what he's got going. Augusta National must be already nervous in their boots, Diane, when I start to think about Augusta. Can he carry the bunker at number one? Can he carry the bunker at number two? What is gonna, What is he going to do? He's already said that he may go and go to the maximum length legal of 48 inches over these, and try to hit it 400 yards. So isn't that something to think about as we go forward on with Bryson DeJambeau? I mean, the way that he's going to play this course is going to be something that we have never seen before. Well, we all remember when Tiger Woods won in, in uh, 1997, when he won, I think, by 14 strokes. The famous 18th hole at Augusta National, we saw Tiger drive right across those bunkers, all the way down in that crazy open area, and then he was just able to hit a wedge up onto the green. Well, guess what? Bryson is also going to be able to hit across those bunkers. I think they're about 320 yards. I mean, Bryson's got that in the bag right now. So, you know, it's uh, it's all explainable. I've had a great breakdown of Bryson's swing. Maybe we'll maybe we'll put it out for the on this show and explain where does Bryson get the power because it's not a mystery. Mm -hmm. I know where it's coming from. I can see it. I can explain it. It's all math. Maybe we'll we'll let people know where the power is coming from. One thing that I saw yesterday with him playing with Matthew Wolf because he hits it so far too, but Bryson has such a high trajectory that it's almost like the ball lands and he doesn't get such a big rollout. But whereas Matt Wolf's carry is less, the ball's lower, so it, it can go further. He gets so much roll on the ball. But again, it's these young guys on tour and it just shows how exciting it is to see their different styles of play. Well, 
of course, there's a lot of math to what you just said, Diane, and it is, is if the ball is coming in below 40 degrees, 45 degrees is about here, 90, 45, if it's coming in at 40, less than 40, the ball will bounce and take off. If it's up around 45, then it's not going to roll. It's all math. I think Bryson is going for maximum carry to carry over all the bunkers. Yeah. I think it's all done on purpose. Gosh, <laughs> amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Right, so a bit of a different week this week because after the excitement of the US Open, um, I'm not saying it's a disappointment this week, but it's just going to be a very different field of players. And we did talk about this a few weeks ago with the the majors happening and the Masters coming up in November. We're not going to see the big names playing week after week. But this week it is the Corrales Punta Cana Championship. And well, it's in a lovely exotic location of Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, we watched this tournament. I watched it on TV a couple of years ago when Graham McDowell uh, beat Chris Stroud, one of the secret golf contributors there on this course. Uh, very uh, resort style. Think Hawaii, think uh, Kapalua. There's a particular grass down there that's uh, has played into our analysis this week. This grass is called Paspalum. And it's also have a mixture of zoysia grass on this golf course, which makes it kind of spongy and soft. Paspalum grass, Diane, is something that I know a little bit about. It's from Australia. It was bought in. It's a kind of a miracle grass because you can water it with terrible water. I think you water it with salt water. So uh, they they love to put it in courses, at, you know, uh, where they can, you know, right on the right on the ocean. In fact, Diane, I did an experiment when I was in college. Oh gosh. In Paspalum <laughs> on how on how it would absorb and how it would take water or whatever whatever it likes to eat or drink. And I had three pot plants on my dorm. Uh, the first one, I watered Paspalum with water. The second one, I watered Paspalum with my roommate who dipped skull. He had a big skull bucket. I, I poured that in there. And the third one, after we had a few beers, we just relieved ourselves in the third one. Well, <laughs> after the whole semester went by, the the, the water was only about this high. The skull juice, it was over the edge of the balcony, down about two feet. And the third one, the public uh, the public bathroom, was all the way down, all the way down to the ground on the floor. So it likes Peace. different <laughs> types. <laughs> I just want to be clear. No, you and your friends <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, that's a good story. And that tells us all we need to know about the grass on the course this we week. We go down a lot of levels here in the SG Tour report. Yeah, but we just got a great insight to your college life. I just can't believe that your roommate would spit in a bucket and keep it. Texas style. Texas style, for sure. Okay, um, right, moving on from that. What we do on the SG Tour report is um, we do this the same thing, obviously, this week. Um the, from the top 30 that played the Tour Championship, there is only one guy that's competing in the field this week, and that's Mackenzie Hughes. So we have the field, and then we almost re-rank them. Uh, so their field ranking. Then we look at the skill set required to play well on the course, and then we do the SG Tour ranking. So it's going to throw up some interesting names this week and some good value. Yeah, of course. We, uh, as you said, we we take this is a very wide open event. You know, this is something that uh, we won't see a lot on the PGA Tour. And now this week, all these young guys are going to get a chance to play, Diane. And this course, I've been told I haven't played it. Wide open off the tee. 
the scoring will already be under that will determine the winner of this. Can get windy down there, but I've been told by four or five tour players in caddies this week that it's all about scoring on the par fives. It's all about hitting the ball close to the hole. Let's we'll call that on the tour proximity to the hole. Okay. Tour players these days, Diane, they are looking for a percentage. They want to have 20, 25, 30 good looks at birdies from inside a certain distance. So we're taking some pretty serious stats this week, total driving. We want to know who's the best at hitting the ball closest to the hole. We can then determine their percentage and and what kind of chance do they have to move up the board? Par five birdies, approaches from 100 to 125 yards, because there's there's a lot of short holes at this course, and putting from inside of six feet. This is going to be the fifth time that we've seen this course. Um, Only the third time we've seen it on the PGA Tour. Two years before that, it was part of the Corn Ferry Tour rotation. Last year, Graham McDowell won at 18 under par, talking about the low scoring. Bryce Garnett at 18 under in 2018. Uh, 2017, it was 20 under par on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then 2016, Dominic Bozzelli won at minus 24. So as you say, it is going to be low scoring and hopefully we're going to see a little bit of a shootout. Yeah, so what does that mean? You just just said that these guys are going down there. They know they've got to shoot four or five under par each day to be in the tournament. How do they do it? They've got to dominate the par fives. They've got to get a ton of looks, Diane, on the short par fours, meaning they've got to hit good drives and good shots. They're looking for that percentage. The one thing about this golf course is they have very long par threes, so they need to hold their score on these over 200-yard uh, long par threes. And I think, Diane, this week we've come up with a, a list of good value names of guys that we think that will actually do really well this week. And the other thing we should add is for the first time, this event is awarding full FedEx Cup points. It's usually a a kind of secondary event, but this year the winner is going to receive the full 500 FedEx Cup points. So for a lot of these guys, this is going to be their chance to get a really hot start on the 2021 season. A lot of these guys have had to sit during the pandemic. They've had to sit during the FedEx Cup. They haven't sit during the U.S. Open because they didn't get a chance to qualify for some of these events, Diane. So the tour has said, you know what? We're going to give everybody opportunities to play this year and we're going to put full points across the board. Pick and choose where you want to go, guys, because we're here, here comes the points. So this week, it's the Corrales Punta Cana Championship in the Dominican Republic. So we're going to see some beautiful scenery with these guys playing. The first time that this event has awarded full FedEx Cup points. So that's going to be quite interesting and add a little bit of a different dynamic. Um, There could be some fresh motivation out there. But Elk, looking at the course, what are the main stats that we're taking into consideration to see these guys shoot what could be even better than 20 under par? As you said, Diane, these guys are going down to the Dominican. The weather should be great. They do get a little wind here, but they... Every player that's going there this week knows the history of this event and they'll probably, a 20 under par will probably win this. How will a player acquire a 20 under score? Well, he'll have to, it's pretty wide open. So we've, we've made some very uh, crucial picks on who we think will be able to drive the ball long and maybe take advantage of par five scoring is one that we've, that we've, we've chosen. Another one is proximity to the hole. Whenever you, Think about how a tour player can put together a really low round over the course of the week. They've got to get a lot of looks. They've got to get a lot of looks, and there's a certain percentage. For example, if they hit 
all 72 uh, greens in regulation, and they had a 20% conversion rate. That's that's what these guys are thinking about like that now. We don't we didn't do that when I played the tour, but anyway, we so we've taken total driving, we've taken proximity to the hole. How about birdies on par fives? Who's excellent at birdies on par fives? And then of course, because there's a bunch of short holes, we want guys that hit it hit it close from 100 to 125 yards. And the final, the most important is putting. How do these guys putt from five to six feet? On the windy greens, the turf is a little different. We've already talked about it. Uh, so there is some play on why we've chosen these people. So this week, we usually base our SG Tour re-ranking on the official World Golf Ranking. But, well, because a lot of the top players aren't playing this week after coming off the back of the US Open, we've done a field re-ranking, first of all, and then we'll re-rank for the SG Tour report and tell you about our top value picks. Right, Elk, well, let's get right into it and we'll start with our sizzlers. So these are the guys that we think are, first of all, great value. And when we look at the stats required to play well around the course, the guys that are rising up to the top. Now, the first one we're going to start with is a name who, if you were watching the Safeway Open a couple of weeks ago, he was in contention the entire time and lost out to Stuart Sink pretty much at the end of Sunday. But it's Sam Burns. Sam Burns out of LSU has been a guy, Diane, that has been on everybody's radar that's in the know on the tour. He's just starting to start to emerge. I see him sort of like a Harris English, someone that's come out, come on slow, big guy, maybe 6'2", 200, 200 pounds. David Toms uh, from Louisiana told me when Sam Burns was 10, he as far as David Tom's good. So no surprise here, Diane, when we take a look at Sam Burns' stats, he's a great driver. In fact, he's the longest player that's going to be playing this week, him and one other that we've chosen this week. He's also very good at um, putting. He is ranked number two on this field in putting, and I just think he's going to dominate off the tee. I think he's going to be able to do really well on the par fives. He putts good. But one of the things you're going to hear about on this show a lot this today, Diane, is is the is where are they motivated? Why is Sam Burns there and all these other guys are not? He wants to win. And that's why Sam Burns is at the top of our sizzler list this week, Diane. The thing with Sam Burns is he played that college circuit with the likes of Matt Wolf. Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, three guys who all have their debut win on the PGA Tour. And I think with the Safeway Open, he looked like he was in control pretty much for three days. Fell away a little bit, a wee bit on Saturday. And then on Sunday, as I said, Stuart Sink won in the end. But his motivation has to be so high and he has to be looking at this event with it now being the full FedEx Cup points as his chance to go out there and maybe a little bit of redemption from Napa a few weeks before. Well, of course, Stuart Sink, the 48-year-old that won at Napa, uh, made my heart feel good. But there was an interesting stat that Sam Burns must feel good about when he thinks about why he didn't win in Napa. Stuart Sink made eight putts outside of 25 feet for the week, which only happens, I was told by my friend Jason Dufter, only happens about once every five years. So good on Stuart Sink for doing that. But 
Sam Burns is chomping at the bit, and that's why he's at the top of our list this week, uh, Diane. Confidence meter jammed on high. Yes, for sure. So we have him, well, field ranking at 28th, but in our HG Tour re-ranking, Sam Burns comes in at number six. So excited to see what he's going to do in Punta Cana. Right, the next one of our sizzlers is a name that's been on tour for a long time. And um, he's a great character on tour, always fun to watch. And that is Jonathan Vegas. Jonathan Vegas lives here in Houston. You know, he's a native of Venezuela. The reason I like him this week is, again, he's going back to an area of the world, Diane, that he's very familiar with. He knows all about this style of golf. He knows all about this style of turf. He's the longest hitter on this field this week. He's just, it's just so familiar with him to go down to the Dominican. He's our longest driver on the, of the, of the week. Uh, he is right at the top of the whole PGA Tour in conversions of par fives. In my mind, I'm thinking the par for him is four under each day just from the par fives with his length. He's struggled this year, Diane, with his putting, 136. But I just think he's going to putt well because he's down there almost from where he's from and the food's going to be the same. He may even be able to speak some old-style old lingo with some of the locals down there. I just think he's going to do well. You talk about his length and that he's going to be the longest driver in the field this week. But when you look at total driving, he comes in at third because his accuracy is so good as well. I had a humbling experience with Johnny Vegas in the fall this year. He came out to champions and play with me and Mark Hubbard and Patrick Reed and all these guys. And I was so far behind Jonathan Vegas off the tee. It was almost embarrassing, <laughs> Diane, how far Johnny Vegas hits the ball. Yeah, we always love getting that inside information. And we have a little bit more to come about our next sizzler. So we're doing three sizzlers and three fizzlers this week and three dark horses that we'll get onto. But our final sizzler, this is going to be a fun one to talk about because I feel that this name, and I know that you feel the same, is a name that we saw on the leaderboard for the US Open last week. And you better get used to it, put it that way. That is Will Zalatoris. Not an easy one to forget. <laughs> Will Zalatoris has been around on the Corn Ferry, Diane, quietly putting together one of the greatest careers on the Corn Ferry. I think he's had 10 top 10s this year, already won. I have text messages coming into my phone from caddies on there telling me that Will Zalatoris is probably going to win the U.S. Open this week. And I'm like, I don't even know who the guy is. Well, Will Zalatoris finished sixth yesterday, Diane, at wing foot, and he is headed down to the Dominican. Where do I put him? We know yesterday he won a lot of money, some 400-something thousand dollars. That gives him some partial status on the PGA Tour. He's still on Corn Ferry. He won't walk. He will walk onto the PGA Tour when he graduates from Corn Ferry. That may not be until 2022. Mm -hmm. However, the way that he can jump the bridge or jump the river and get on tour is to play good this week. And everybody that I'm talking to on tour says, watch out for Wills out of Taurus. We have his stats here. We haven't been able to overlay them from the PGA Tour because we're using Corn Ferry, but... He drives it unreal. He's long and straight. I was texting with Ryan Palmer, who lives in Dallas, who knows Will. Putts very aggressive. He said he's got confidence out the wazoo. So here we are telling you this week, Diane, not even a tour player is one of our favorites at a tour event. 
The other thing about Will is that he lives in Dallas. He regularly plays with Scotty Scheffler, who we're so big on. Um, he's got to see what Scheffler has been doing lately in his rookie year on the PGA Tour. Ryan Palmer, Jordan Spieth, all these big names. I know that you text with Ryan Palmer, who's a Secret Golf contributor, and, uh, and Ryan told you, well, he said that he couldn't really pinpoint one great thing about his game because it's all so good, but he drives it long and he drives it straight. And he's very aggressive putter. And he's got, as we just talked a minute ago about that, where is he on the confidence meter? Could you imagine a Corn Ferry player went to the U.S. Open, which, by the way, he got in because of his status, where he was on Corn Ferry, automatically got into the U.S. Open, went up to the U.S. Open, walked out there right underneath all these superstar players, finished in the top six yesterday. Where is he? Where is his emotional level on his way to Dominican right now? Yeah, Diane. one just shy of half a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, and uh, finishing T6 at the US Open, and you know, if that confidence wasn't enough, he had an eight, he, he had an ace on Thursday actually on the seventh, 165 yards. Then the next par three, he hit the pin. <laughs> he almost had two aces in one round at what could possibly be the toughest US Open of all time. I know. It's, uh, I saw Patrick Reed's uh, hole-in-one on the very same hole that Will had it on in the hole seven. I did not see him hit the pin at 13, but what a splash. <laughs> that must be lovely. So, yeah, as you say, confidence is going to be super high for Will. And um, with everything he's been doing on the Corn Ferry Tour, because of the pandemic, it was tough for these guys because it's been delayed a year them actually getting their PGA Tour cards. So Will's obviously thinking, well, wait a minute. I got that exemption for the US Open. Let me find another way to get on the PGA Tour. And uh, this week could be it. So our three sizzlers for the Corrales Punta Cana Championship are Sam Burns, Jonathan Vegas, and Will Zalatoris. We think they're going to be good value picks this week. We certainly do. You know, all the data for us, Diane, tells us with the style of this golf course and the confidence of these three players, I just feel like there's just in the distance that they hit the ball off the tee, par five conversion, getting a lot of looks on the par fours, putting well and getting past these par threes. I just think they're going to shuffle their way to the top we could see a lot of big jumps. So, for example, someone just has to go out and shoot a super low round and it could bump them right up there. Everyone that's going into this tournament this week, Diane, is looking for big points. We knew, if you've watched this show, you know how important it was because we're going to talk about a player in the very next segment who was one or two points away from being in the top, which was another five, $500,000, which we'll talk about in the next segment. That's why they need to get as many points as they can. And players, it's all it's full points. This is the same points as you get if you win the Masters. Yeah, gosh, that's crazy to think about. Um, and we also, there's some big names in the field. We're going to talk about last year's champion and, and some other big names that are up there that you might see right away. And we'll talk about their chances. So, well, the 2021 season started with the Safeway Open in Napa. Then last week, we went to the rescheduled US Open and saw that stunning Bryson DeChambeau victory. And then this week, well, we're back to regular scheduled activity with the Corrales Punta Cana Championship in the Dominican Republic. So we've already given you, well, first of all, our sizzlers for this week. 
the names to look out for that we think are going to have great value. And they are Sam Burns, Jonathan Vegas, and Will Zalatoris. <laughs> I, I love saying his name. So he's definitely one uh, to look out for. Elk, let's run through very quickly what the core skill set is that we're looking at this week. Well, Diane, thanks. We know that uh, the scoring this week is going to be low, 20 under, 24 under wins this tournament, which tells us we've got to be five or six under every day. How does a player get to five or six under each day? He's going to have to drive it well. Scoring on par fives. We've picked some big hitters, Jonathan Vegas. But bottom line, we got to get these guys a lot of looks. Guys that hit the ball close to the pin in general, the proximity to the hole. It's that kind of week. The turf's a little different. There is some expertise that's going on with some of this turf. We've already noticed some of it. And some of our dark horse picks will uh, even explain a little bit more why we're picking the players we are. And the other thing is, um, and I think it's good to note this, is the field that we saw at the US Open last week, a lot of those guys are not going to be playing this week. Um, Will Zalatoris is, and the confidence and momentum is going to be so high after his T6 finish. But just with the pandemic and the, the schedule that's upon us for the majors, the Masters is in November. A lot of the top names in golf are not going to be playing much right now. It's just how it falls. It's been, a, it's been a long stretch uh, of the guys that have come through the FedEx Cup finals, had a week off now the US Open. Everyone's going to take a breather. Uh, I'll expect to see some of the good players play uh, in a few weeks out in Vegas, mm -hmm. but all eyes will be turning back towards Augusta National in November. The Houston Open is the week before. Pat Perez is already RSVP to my little house across here, so <laughs> I'll have that report when he gets here in October. That will be fun. He always throws up some great things. And he's in the field this week. In fact, we're going to talk about him shortly. But right, we need to get into our fizzlers. And these are the guys that are moving down when it comes to our SG Tour re-ranking. And the defending champion, we're going to start with him, Graham McDowell. He comes in at number three in the field ranking for this week. But when we look at his stats and apply it to the skill set required to do well around this course, he's coming in at number 89. What is up with McDowell? Well, it's nice to see Graham McDowell going back and defending his championship. I always like to see that with players. You know, McDowell did a, you know, he won, he beat one of my friends, uh, Chris Stroud, in a, in a down to the finish here last year uh, on the last hole. If Graham McDowell was on this call with us right now and we look at his stats, 170th in driving, 170th in proximity, 122 in par five birdies, 187th in wedge proximity, and 81st in putting. I just can't shuffle him up anywhere, Diane. There's no room for him to go. So one of the things that we like to tell and talk about on this show is when does a player trend up or down? We've talked about it quite a bit. I don't think McDowell's game is where he was, where he wants it. He played at Wingfoot last week. He is a past U.S. Open champion. Did not score well last week. Glad to see him going down to the Dominican to defend. The stats aren't there, and that he's on our fizzle list this week, Diane. And it's so weird to see someone like McDowell, 187th in approach from 100 to 125, you know, 172nd in total driving from someone who's as well known as McDowell, it must be a bit of a shock to see those numbers. 
And of course, he'll be going into this tournament with some good vibes. He'll be actually to get there with a breath of fresh air that he won on this course yeah. and he'll remember how to it and maybe that'll pull him around this week. But statistically speaking, he's not there right now. Mm-hmm. And current form, we have him ranked at 83rd. It's not like he's got a lot of form heading into this. But you never know what can happen with someone as experienced as Graham McDowell and as you say, the winning memories of last year. Yes, and speaking of... Uh, uh, caliber players, one of our players, tell me what's going on with one of your people here, our other fizzler this you, week. You just say one of my people because he's European. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm below the equator, you're above it to the side. Yeah. Well, when you look at field rank for this week, and if you just look at the, the names of the players, this is going to be the guy that jumps out. I mean, he's a former Open champion and... He's always been one of the kind of like better known names on the PGA Tour. He's been around for a long time as well. But we have Henrik Stenson as a fizzler this week. I mean, it's a kind of weird one, Elk. Painful for me to say that Henrik Stenson's not going to play well, but there's a few things I have to ask you when we talk about all this. Henrik's only played once a month for the last year. He's only won like 120 grand on the whole PGA Tour this year. What is going on with Stenson? He's number one. He's still in the top 50 in the world. He's not driving it good. He's 134th. He's not putting it well. He's not hitting his wedges well. He's one of the great swingers of all time. Is he injured? I don't know. Is he trying? Why is he in the Dominican? Why isn't he in Sweden? Why is he down there? Is he tr- is his motivation? Is he trying to get some points? It's all about attitude. It's all about what is he doing there? What's happening here? We talk all the time about the intangibles and the stuff that goes on that we don't see, right? And there's some guys that it's kind of obvious that there's something going on, like Brooks Kepka, right? For so long, you were saying there's another injury. There's something else that's happening with him. And he's such a big name and he had to be a little bit vocal about it and tell us what was going on behind the scenes. But someone like Henrik Stenson, he seems very private. In the 2020 season, only five starts on the PGA Tour and he only made the cut in two of them, right? So he's not playing. And when he is playing and looking at his stats proves it, he's not really playing that well. So you do think, is there something going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about? He's like a a player or a football player that hasn't played much all year. And now we're trying to get him to be the favorite from what he did years ago. We just don't have any data to back it up, Diane. Now, if his attitude is good, he is better than a lot of people's field. In fact, he is still in the top 50 ranked players in the world. So can he get hot and can he turn all this around? And the question is, he will turn it around. It's just whether or not you're going to put your money down this week for this week. And I'm not. Yeah. And then as you say, then the flip side of that kind of is like, why is he playing this week? He's obviously looking at, I hate to say it's an inferior field, but I'm only talking about like the major fields and WGCs and other events that he's used to playing in. This is obviously... To me, it's kind of saying like, hey, I need to go out and I need to get some points. Well, certainly. I think he hasn't played. He he knows it better than anyone. He's only played, like I said, seven times in the last 12 months. He's got to get out, 
start getting the routine of playing again. He doesn't have any form. He missed the cut at the Open last week. He'll be a little beat up over that. It'll be a, probably a breath of fresh air for him to get over there where he knows at 20 under, can I get back to making a few birdies? Can I work on my putting stroke? Whatever is, whatever is happening. But it's just hard for us to push him anywhere but onto the fizzle list this week, Diane. Sorry, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> Uh, the final name that we are doing for our sizzlers, and you want me to say this because I know that you want me to say his name. I, I picked this, I handpicked this name for you because with your Scottish accent, by the way, which is, you know, you, uh, no, let me just go back. I'm used to it. No, I know you. Um, which I was going to say. So I picked, I handpicked this name especially for you, Diane, because with your Scottish accent, which people think it sounds Australian, which is even more comical than you pronouncing this player as our third fizzler this week. His name is Kiradeki Afi Barnrat. Yep, from Thailand. That's pretty good. Or Kiradek? Kiradek. It didn't have as much flow as I was was wanting there, but let's try it again. Kiradek. <laughs> Afi Barnrat. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Let's just go. I'll never forget that Chris Stroud, who we talked about earlier, he has like his own nickname for him. It's like Kira Deck, Afi, Afi Alphabet, or I don't know. He's got like a funny name for him and he can only call him that now. But um, he's a huge personality. I'm sure he enjoys the fact that uh, nobody can really say his name correctly. He's a huge fan of sports cars, isn't he? I remember watching a, a PGA Tour feature on him, and he is he's a character, it's easy to say. Indeed, and of course, he's a big guy, and he's a big name in golf, and he's very famous. Uh, Kiridaki Afabanrat is from Thailand, and Diane, he graded out the worst of any player in this field, and that's hard to do. 117th in driving, 157th in proximity, 180th in birdies on par fives. Kiradeki, what are you doing? 172nd in approaches, 187th in putting? Diane, you're 186th in putting if you're on the tour. <laughs> so if you're looking for some value, it's not with Avi Banrat this week. Yeah. Uh, field rank, he's 37. In our re-ranking with those numbers, he comes in at 99. And the par five birdie or better being 180th. We've already said that that's going to be so important this week, especially when you look at these guys that are going to be hitting it far um, and making the most of these par fives. You have to be up there in that stat. When I see these stats, Diane, and I've, I've had terrible stats at different times in my career, I can only say that he's either changing his swing or he has no confidence and he's, and he's overthinking everything and his strategy is terrible for, for him, a long hitter, to be 180th in trying to birdie on par fives. I mean, we all could close your eyes and think, just knock it down there, knock it up near the green, chip it on and make a birdie. Don't, don't think too much. But there he finds himself in some terrible, terrible statistics. The one that really is crushing his bank is 187th in putting. Yeah. I mean, that's basically putting better than nobody on the whole PGA Tour. We saw yesterday, sorry, we saw on Sunday at the US Open, we saw Bryson DeChambeau, also a long hitter, also works well around the greens, but he can putt. He's in the top five out there in putting. So come on, 
Let's That's get this back together. Dough. I mean, it's true, isn't it? How it goes. One other thing about Alfie Barnrat, we said that he has a big personality and uh, <laughs> he rented an apartment just for his shoes and he kept it from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Mel. That's a Mel Demacos territory right there, Diane. That's something that you would do. You're a shoe person, aren't you? I'm thinking like, how many pairs of shoes do you need to have a separate apartment for your shoes? Though that's like Pat Perez Jordan territory. <laughs> Speaking of Pat Perez, we will be talking about him on this show. Yes, still to come, we have to talk about our dark horse picks on the PGA Tour this week. So just to recap then, our sizzlers for this week, the guys that we think are ones to watch that have great value are Sam Burns, Jonathan Vegas and Will Zalatoris. Definitely watch out for that name. Our fizzlers this week, the guys that we think are maybe not going to do as well as you may initially believe. Last year's champion, Graham McDowell, Henrik Stenson, who's actually ranked number one in the field and Kira Dick, Afi Barnrat who used to rent an apartment just for his 500 pairs of shoes Elk I looked it up crazy <laughs> what a character he is I'd like to see him get going a little bit he's putting average is so bad I'm wondering what's going wrong with his game Diane I, I can only imagine that he's thinking too much or he's changed his swing he's a super player maybe this week he can get it all back together starting in at in the dominican yeah i mean it would be good to see of course but we have three dark horse picks for you this week and we're excited to talk about them the first one is a guy who i mean it's kind of painful to watch he just missed out on a place in the top 30 for the tour championship just a couple of weeks ago and he like three putted from five feet on the 18th Corey Connors, he uh, had a great season on the PGA Tour. He will be, uh, he's, he's, he's obviously got some good stats. He's a great driver of the ball, number eight. He, uh, he does well on his approach shots to pins. He's, he's good at birdie and par fives. Corey Connors almost made it to the top 30. I think he's very motivated, Diane. It's a long way for him to get down there. I always when I think about how to handicap these players, the first question I always ask everyone on our team is, why are they there? Yeah. What are they trying to accomplish? Why is all these other guys skipping? And if this guy is going, where is his attitude meter? Is he really trying hard? Is he, what's he, why is he there? Corey Connors is going to be lit up, and it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to pick right back up where he left off, Diane, from playing good last year on the tour. He's fifth in the field rank for this week. We have him at 13th in our SG Tour re-ranking. And the only problem area is his putting. Putting from six feet, he's 112th. And it goes back to what we were saying about him just missing out on a place in the Tour Championship because he didn't putt great. But that's the only thing, the only stat that really lets him down because everything else is pretty good. Yeah, and as I said, you know, 112th in putting, you noted he, I think he three-putted not to get in the Tour Championship. He will know his weakness. He'll be working on that. Look, they have things that they, they have computers out there and, and track mans that can measure. He'll know what's wrong with his putting, working on it all the time, I'm sure. Corey Connors is a very good value, value bet this week, Diane. Everybody in the field, Diane, knows who Corey Connors is. He's already won on the PGA Tour at Texas. He almost made it to the top 30. He is his his chart on the tour is going up like this. So everyone knows that he's he's not only is he not 
intimidated when he's going down there this week. He is there to win. Yeah, I remember because um, he won the Valero Texas Open in 2019 and that got him into the Masters the week after. And you and I were there and you saw him in the, the pro shop at Augusta National and went up and said congrats. But I'll never forget his wife because remember they showed her on TV so much. She was so nervous and she was chugging wine in <laughs> the final round. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think she still was the next day at, at Augusta as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd be celebrating for sure. Right, so Cody Connors, one of our dark horse picks. The next two are guys that are both Secret Golf contributors, so it's great to uh, to have them included in this. You mentioned him a little while ago, and Pat Perez is right up there for us this week. Good friend of mine, Pat Perez, is a little story of why I'm picking him as a dark horse this week. He lives in Scottsdale. He had been driving the ball very poorly, broke his driver, putting the ball terrible, didn't have any form, went home, fixed those two things while the uh, playoffs were on, immediately went back to uh, Silverado a couple of weeks ago and finished in the top 10. Talked to him on the phone this weekend. He is so excited to get down to this tournament. He's, he's never been there. But I always tell you, Diane, how motivated is a player and Pat Perez is very motivated. He's a super putter. But the reason I really like him, and I'm going to like the next guy too, Pat's won the tournament at Mayakoba, exactly yes. the same turf uh, that he's going to, the Paspalum, the seaside Paspalum is the same exact turf that Pat won in Mexico, same turf this week. He said, I can't wait to get on that turf again. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Diane, we talk about on the show all the time. There's guys that play out good out west on Poana. There's guys that play good in Bermuda. Perez, boom, past Palin. Another two things about Perez, as you say, he went out and had a top 10 finish at the Safeway Open. He was in contention. The putter was hot. And he said that he changed the ball position in his putting stance. So, I mean, when these guys are off, it's the slightest little change to get them back on track. So that was one thing that he said he worked on. The other thing is he's known for his hair. He's got this long, flowy, curly hair. He used to. And he chopped it off. <laughs> and he didn't lose the magic by cutting off his hair. He's like a new man when you see him now. <laughs> now, Pat, Pat's a free spirit. He's, he loves golf at a very deep level, but he's very critical of himself. And he's volatile. And I like that kind of style of play. He gets a little too down on himself at times. We talk about that. But if Pat's going to go all the way to, to uh, play this tournament, highly motivated. I've got him right at the top of this list, Diane. I think he's going to do well. If we look at some of his stats, he's got good stats. He's been he's 123rd in driving, but he fixed that. He's 15th in uh, proximity to the hole. He's 93rd in putting, not a great stat, but he fixed that. Mm -hmm. so you're getting a bunch of inside information here, Diane, here on the ST Tour Report. So our final dark horse pick, and it goes back to a former champion at Mayakoba and another one of our secret golf contributors. It's Patton Kazayer. Now, Patton is an interesting one because he had two wins back-to-back -back pretty quick, both in these sunny locations, Mexico and then in Hawaii. So, again, the conditions should suit him well. Patton, this is half of my, half this pick is with my heart and half's with my head, Diane. I want Patton. He's driving the ball terrible, 190th. But we, we know this course is wide open. Is this the week that he can let it go and, and let the, not worry about it going anywhere? He's got plenty of room to work the driver. 
listen to me when I tell you this. Patton Kazai is one of the greatest putters that I've ever seen. And when he gets focused in, maybe it's the seaside courses, Diane. Like he won at Mayakoba on uh, Paspalami, won at Wailai in Hawaii on the seaside course grass. What's the, what's, what's the important thing about that? I don't know. They're just really good at it. So I've got him up there. He's a he's one of the best putters. Let him get the ball in play. He putts good. He his proximity to the hole on wedges is good. All about the tee ball with Patton Desire. Okay then. So to recap everything for the tournament this week, our sizzlers are Sam Burns, Jonathan Vegas, and Will Zalatoris. Our fizzlers are Graham McDowell, Henrik Stenson, and Kiradek Afi Barnrat. And our dark horse picks are Cody Connors, Pat Perez, and Patton Kazire. So it's a fun field. It's a different field to what we saw last week at the US Open, but it's a chance for these guys to come out there and get some really valuable FedEx Cup points early on. You're right. And, you know, our top of our list this week is stacked with, we know the score is going to be 20 under. We've stacked our team up top with long hitters, ones that will score well on par fives, guys that hit it close to the pin on the short holes with their wedges and are able to convert with their putts. That's why they're, they're where they are. The guys down below, well, they're having trouble with their putting. They're having trouble birdie in par fives. We know the scoring is going to be low. And the guys in between, well, it's the attitude meter and whether or not they've got what it takes to be able to jump up in there, Diane. So I like, I like our grip this week. Yeah, me too. I really do. Right, I want to go back quickly to last week's US Open champion, Bryson DeChambeau. Got it done. There's so much talk about Bryson this week. And well, over the past year, he's transformed his body and his game. He's hitting the ball harder, faster, longer than anyone else. And it's very cool to see it pay off and the fact he's now a major champion. Yes, and indeed. And of course, it's one thing to build up your body, Diane. That's not going to make you hit the ball further. His golf swing is uh, is a lot of people uh, write to me and text me and ask me to break down his swing because they know I'm good at finding where the power comes from. So I've been asked a lot, Diane, to do this, and I'm going to roll it here and tell you where, where the mathematics comes from as opposed to Bryson's swing. Where does this power come from? Okay, so we're right here at Bryson, wide stance, very weak left-hand grip, but it's very tall, both arms are almost straight, that right arm is almost straight, out of dress. We don't know the intent of Bryson's swing, but we, do, we, we can look at it and see where he's loading the club to find out where he's getting his power from. We'll notice here at the, uh, on the takeaway, look how wide the takeaway is, the club Left arm and the club are still forming almost 180 degrees, 175 degrees, almost a straight line. And one of the things about long hitters is, it's one thing about when they cock their wrists. And of course, we know that when you chip, you break your wrist early. When you hit your irons, you break your wrist somewhere halfway back. And the really long hitters assemble their club very late. Assemble meaning I'm going to cock the wrist into position. So here we are, three quarters of the way back. Bryson still has not assembled his wrist action yet. So he is just going wide as possible. 
And one of the things I think when he did his workout regime, <clears throat> this would take a tremendous amount of strength to hold that club. Here we are, his shoulders are turned, I don't know, maybe 100 degrees behind the ball. He's almost ready to assemble it. He's all at the top of his swing. Some guys on the tour, they're already coming down right now. He's still going up. And there it is. He finally sets the left wrist at the top. And that's where, that's his top position. So he assembled his backswing almost right at the top of his swing. All the shortest hitters have an early wrist set, medium hitters, halfway back, and the longest hitters have what we call a snap load, which is all the way to the top. And I've never seen anyone higher than that. Now the interesting thing here is if you slow the camera down, you'll see that the right side is going back still, right hip, right obliques, right shoulder are going back. And before he sets the wrist at the top, the left side is already moving forward. What this is all about, this is to capture all that late wrist, wrist set at the top. And you know, when you think about really long hitters, they're usually long hitters that are trying to be golfers. And Bryson's a golfer that's, I suppose, is now becoming a really long hitter. So he has this incredible change of directions. And that's where he captures all of that late snap load. And you'll see here as he comes down, you see the player behind him. We'll show that frame a couple times there from the top of the swing where it's just about to get to the top, but the left side has already started to go the other direction, captures all that. You'll notice here the tour player behind him, Bryson's moving to the left and watch these hands, they don't move, they sit, they sit. They haven't moved. So he's waiting for that burst of energy. That whenever long hitters hold that angle late. Now we saw on the way back, we were almost 180 degrees. Now he's down, oh, I think that, that angle between the left arm and the shaft's probably 40, 40 degrees. Tremendous amount of lag. You can see the right elbow under the left. But the main thing to notice here is the the shoulders over the top of the hips or over the top of the knees. So this is where he needs the burst of speed right here. Once you get yourself into this, what we call the stack position, then you can move your hips as fast as you want. Now he is playing with a 5.5 degree driver that's 45 and a half inches long. So he's gonna to have to hit up on this. So how's he gonna hit up on it? He's gonna get some side tilt. You notice here from position five, down to six, he's put in about 15 to 20 degrees of side tilt in his spine. You notice these long hitters, they don't have a ton of lag late. They have a big wide wind up, they grab it all at the top, and then they have this burst of speed and change directions from the club head, one end of the club head to the other, a very ballistic motion. There it is, right there, there's impact. Got a nice line of compression. The back of the left wrist is flat all the way down the shaft from the top of his shoulder all the way through the club head. 
about three inches past impact, still straight. That represents good straight line of compression. Then up and around. Seems like it's over at that point and he just lets his right shoulder rise up over it. So it doesn't surprise me with Bryson's background of golf machine. You know, long hitters, you know, speed clubs and all that. I've never seen any of that work. This is like building a rocket. You have to have some math. So what we're seeing here is this tremendously late wrist cock on the way back, and then that incredible change of direction that gathers all that speed. And then he's able to uppercut that ball. It's just incredible amount of athleticism, strength. If you're wondering how strong you have to be to take the driver all the way to the top of the swing without cocking it, go out and give it a go. And I think the bulking upside for him saw some of his workouts. It's a lot of rotational stuff, a lot of flexibility stuff. I don't think it was just bench presses. This is all has a reason. Bryson's a smart guy and he did everything with a purpose. And I wouldn't be surprised if the reason he can do this is he can hold these angles. He can actually support these angles with the correct muscle groups. I think that's how deep he goes on this. Incredible stuff. So every week with our re-ranking, we give you the full top 10 and um, I'll read out the names. Again, some interesting names with a lot of value. Some guys that we think will do well this week in Punta Cana. Seamus Power came in at number one in our ranking. Adam Schenk, Charlie Hoffman, Will Gordon, Will Zalatoris, who we've gone big on this week, Sam Burns as well, one of our sizzlers, James Han, Ben Martin, and JJ Spawn completing the top 10. So have a look out for those names. Elk, one of your friends, this is a cool story because you gave him the information from the SG Tour report for the US Open. He, he had a bit of money that he could put on, but how much did he win? Well, one of my friends that I give the report to, the total report, is able to find value up and down our list with our re-rankings, found himself with a, a sensational team last week, Diane, at the US Open, and won $100,000 with our pick. So he was so delighted. I was waiting for him to ask me for my address so he could send me part of that winning, but I didn't get that. But I did get the... Uh, you know, the thank you very much, Elk, for your re-ranking. I could never have done it without you. So that was great. Well, it's great validation that we're actually doing something right here and hopefully helping a lot more people when it comes to their picks for the PGA Tour. So there you have it, our picks on the SG Tour report for the PGA Tour this week in Punta Cana. I'm excited about it. I really like seeing the kind of different fields right now. Obviously, we had the Tour Championship. Then the field for the Safeway Open the following week was kind of different. Then different again for the US Open. And then um, this week, it's going to be interesting because, as we said in the show, full FedEx Cup points for the Corrales Championship. So let us know how you get on. Hopefully our picks will help you, but you can send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And don't forget to check out the show on SportsGrid for more. It's out every Wednesday at 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. 
and you can check it out at sportsgrid.com or search your streaming platform to find SportsGrid. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast. So that means you don't have to manually look for it every week. It'll just pop up on your phone or however else you want to listen. But you can do that on Spotify, Podbean, on Apple Podcasts or any other app or website that you use to get yours. And the SG Tour Report will be back next Tuesday. 